0: This morning we're going to be talking about, what, does anybody know the title of this lesson? Yeah. Sent. Yes, yeah, so we're in that part of Luke, or John, excuse me, John chapter 17, where Jesus says, I have sent them. I have sent them. i want to read just a little bit of that again. John chapter 17, verse 18, is around where we're going to end up. We go back to 14, just for a second there. But I've given them thy word. The word, the world has hated them because they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I did not ask thee to take care of them or to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. As thou didst send me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. Sent. I'm going to look at sent this morning. And you probably know, what what do we call people that we usually send from here to somewhere else? Missionaries. Missionaries. And that comes from a Latin word, missionaries. It has the Latin origins. But have you guys ever thought of yourselves as missionaries? And, And for those of you who haven't, you should be. For those of you who are thinking of yourselves as missionaries, good, I'm glad you are because we don't have to send people to another country to be a missionary. You walk across your, your parking lot or you walk from one driveway to another in your neighborhood, you can consider yourselves a missionary. Amen. You've been sent by God to do something. You've been sent by God to give a message. Jesus sent his disciples. And I want to go back through the beginning because God is not a God that doesn't send. From the very beginning, you've got the garden, right? God says, be fruitful and multiply. Go, be be multiplying. Go, fill this earth, subdue it. God, right off the bat, sends a message of, go, send. I'm sending you into this world to subdue it. I'm sending you into this world to ful- fill it up, to multiply. But it doesn't take long for man to do what he shouldn't do. And don't, don't get on me because that's an apple up there, okay? I know... The Bible doesn't say it's an apple. So it's just a representation of fruit, okay? Just in case. I got in trouble for that one time. I don't want to do that again. (laughs) Apple. No, who cares? It's fruit. And man decides we know better than God, right? But then what what does God do? He sends him out of the garden. So again, God is sending. This time he's sending them out of the garden because you couldn't do what I asked you to do. Then God sends a flood because eventually the world becomes so wicked... God says, I'm not having any more of this. I'm going to send a flood. So God sends a flood and cleanses the earth. Then what happens? People all get together. They start saying, we can do anything we can do. We, we can do all the things we hear in chapter 11 of Genesis. And God says, nope, I'm going to send you off again. You're not doing what I want you to do. I'm sending you out. So I'm going to confuse your language and I'm sending you out again. Go. Again. Then you get to Jonah. Oh, excuse me, to Abraham first. Abraham first. Get to Abraham. And God says, go from that land to this land. I'm going to send you again. I'm going to send you out. And well, from Abraham to Jonah. He sends him to a foreign mission field this time. Jonah, go teach these people that I know you don't like. That I know you hate. Go teach these people. And Jonah says, nope. God changes his mind. <laughs> but God again is ascending God God sends the prophets all throughout the Old Testament, doesn't he? Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Who am I going to send? Here am I. Send me. God sends the prophets over and over again in the Old Testament to tell the people, come back to me. To tell the people, I love you, I need you, I want you. But people don't see the same thing. Eventually, what does God send? Who does God send? His son. That's the big picture here. Eventually, after all of that sending, God sends Jesus, his son, God in the flesh, to earth. Nothing else has worked. Now he's sending Jesus, God in the flesh, to come and say, listen up, people. This is your final message. I'm coming to tell you the love of God. I'm coming to tell you who God is. He comes down and He trains His disciples. And that's what we've been looking at. We've been looking at Him calling them, the intentional, the relational, all of this. And now all of these things that He's training them. And now, before we get to the missional part, which is going to come after this. I've got three more, I think, or two more. Before we get to missional. Because this one does seem sort of mission-like. This is sending. He's saying, I'm going to send them into the world. But this is not the missional part yet of Matthew 4.19. But God is sending Jesus. Jesus is training his disciples, and he sends his disciples out to disciple to do what he's trained them to do. Jesus developed them and sent them out. That's that's his story. Do you remember when I talked about our story? And if we told our story, what should it sound like? His story. That song. I love that song. Anybody go and listen to that song after I mentioned it? Anybody remember what song I mentioned (laughs) at this point? Mary, you did? Okay. I don't remember the guy who sings it, but it's, If I Told You My Story. And it, and it, t- it ties into the, um, oh, now, now my, my brain is, is, yeah, frozen or something. Um, what is the, somebody help me out. The tune that they tie it into, because they've done a lot of this lately in, in contemporary Christian music, they've, they've, they've taken older hymns and they've tied them into a new arrangement. And this one is another one of those. But now my, my brain is just, just. I cannot remember the song. It's, it's my story. Um, let me try to run through it in my head really quick. <laughs> everybody's yelling one out. I get. not um, Hmm? No, not the artist. No, he ties it into one of the songs that we sing that that I love. But uh, he, he rearranges it just a little before that. But he's talking about my story. If I told you my story, I'd be speaking about Jesus. I could tell you about me, but what I'm really trying to tell you is Jesus. How he changed me. How he helped me. So if I told you my story, I'd be telling you Jesus. That's what he's saying there. And that's this his story here. He's telling his story to the disciples. The disciples are then telling their story, which is Jesus, to those that they go and teach. And ultimately, down the line, what do we go tell? We go tell them our story. But when we tell them our story, who comes up all the time? Jesus comes up all the time. Jesus is here. Jesus did this for me. Jesus is doing this for me. When we tell you our story, we're telling of him. If I could tell you my story, I'd tell you him. And that's really history. I mean, you look at his story, that's the pinnacle of history. When God breaks in, in that fashion, to our history, and he comes down and he dwells with us, that is the apex of history, in my opinion. That's where Jesus comes on, in the flesh on this earth, and he dwells among us. He tabernacles among us. God is sending. He's reaching a climax. And what Jesus is coming to tell us here is this is God's embodiment of love. This is love incarnate. Let me tell you about God's love. Well, look at me. Look at Jesus. He says, look at me. I'll tell you about him. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'll tell you all about him. What I like about the Gospel of John is it has a distinct sending motive. It, it, it has sent all over there. And I want to share just a couple things with you because we get our, our word missionary from Latin, but there's some words in John that are interesting um, that, that talk about Jesus being sent. The prophets were sent by God. Jesus is being sent by God. Over and over again in the Gospel of John, John uses this word pimpo. For God sent Jesus. Now, this, this sending here is the action of the Father who sent and authorized Jesus' mission. Jesus says over and over again, I've been authorized by the Father. I am God incarnate. And I've been authorized to speak the words that He says. I'm coming to show you Him. So over and over again, God says, this is you. I'm, I'm sending you. But He also uses this word, apostello, which sounds a lot like apostle, right? But it's sent, apostle, sent one. The full authority of the Father, God acting and speaking through Jesus. This is Jesus saying, I have all the authority here. I am authority here. This is, this is what Jesus is saying. When he's saying, I am sent in this way, I have the authority. Like we talked in class this morning. Again, if you, if you missed class this morning, you missed a good class again about being sent. It ties in again with, with the authority here. Jesus wasn't just sent as somebody who can tell you a good message Jesus was sent as the message. Jesus was the one giving the message because he was the one that wrote the message. He is the message. He's all of that. And that's that authority that Jesus is sent in, at least in the apostolo part. But even the pimpo part. It's, it's, it's from God. He's from God. He is God. He has been sent in a unique capacity to mankind to show God's love. If you go over to John 3.16, which... Everybody knows, right? Everybody knows John 3.16. says what? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. And then verse 17. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through Him. There again is that message of Jesus Christ, like... Bill asked again this morning in class, what did Jesus come to do? Seek and save the lost. What is John 3.17? He says, he came to save the world. He came to save this place. These creatures that have turned their back on him, he's come to save you. Why? Because he loves us, even though we shouldn't be loved. I don't know about you, but I know what I've done in my past. Some people in this audience know exactly who I was in my past, and they don't even know the whole story. Why would God want me? We all have a story, we all have a story. but where does my story lead? Where does your story lead? To Jesus. to Jesus, every time. No matter how bad my old story is, it leads me to the cross. It leads me to Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying here. No matter how bad your story is, let me tell you, I can, t- I can help you. I can change that. I can save you. I have been sent to do it. And now I train my disciples to send you, to send to you, to give you the same message. But what does that disciple message do to us? It changes us. And then what do we do with that sent message? You turn around and you send it right back out, don't you? If you take that message and you just hold it in... Jesus is going to have a couple questions for you, probably. God's going to say, what are you doing? What are you doing with my message? You got it. Why did you hold on to it? Why didn't you turn around and, and give it out to other people? The purpose God gave the world, the purpose that God gave Jesus to the world was to save the world. And this is the mission that Jesus was on to train his disciples to be sent ones. And when we get to the missional part, I'm going to talk about being in the world and not being of the world. You've probably heard somebody say, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world, right? It's not an exact quote of the Bible. But it's a, it's a decent thought. But when we say we're not in the world, but, but we're, we're in the world, but we're not of the world, perhaps we're not quite getting the message of being sent ones either. Because where did Jesus come He came to the world he told his disciples I don't want you out of the world in fact in this prayer he says I'm not wanting you to remove them from the world I want you to protect them I protected them they've got to be in the world you and I have to be in the world Jesus wants us in the world because that's where the message needs to be preached and that's where the message needs to be lived I have to be here to preach his message I want to share a quote with you uh, from a gentleman named Howard Snyder. But I'm going to change a couple words because I because I can right now. And hopefully he'll never see this message and sue me. And I'm going to change a couple, couple words here. I liked the quote, but I, I didn't like the emphasis he put in certain places. So I'm going to change it. It says, Church people think about how to get people in the church. Kingdom people think about how to get more Jesus into the world. Church people worry that the world might change the church. Kingdom people work to see Jesus change the world. I like the, the mindset he had there that we can get so interested in uh, being here and being good Christians that we forget that we got to get more Jesus in the world if we want the world to change, if we want our families and our friends, and our neighbors to hear about Jesus, then we've got to get outside the, the building, the walls, and sometimes our mindset of, it's us, it's, we're okay, and maybe I'll talk to you, if the time is right. As Jesus demonstrated to his disciples, when did he talk to people about God? When did he talk to them about himself? Right then and there. When the opportunity presented itself, what did Jesus say? Whatever the moment needed to be said. He said it right then and there. I think he taught his disciples the same thing. When the opportunity presents itself, you take advantage of that opportunity. When people say, why do you do this? You say, Jesus, this is why. When people say, why are you being so nice to me when you don't need to be? Jesus was nice to me, and I'm nice to you. When you help people out. When you stop and you just give somebody some money for some, whatever reason, you just give them money or do you, you let them know, I'm helping you out because my Savior helped me out. Man, what, what a powerful message, just a quick powerful message, but a, an on-the-fly powerful message. So I want to I share with you four things here this morning about living as sent ones because I found it tough. I this is part of the, the, the training of his disciples. I think he was training them to get ready to go. He was constantly telling them and getting them ready to not be, not be rich people, obviously, because he describes himself as being a son of man. i got no place to lay my head, right? And if, if the world's going to treat me this way, and if I've got no place to lay my head, then the disciples of mine are probably going to end up in a similar spot. So all throughout Jesus' ministry, he's training them to be sent ones. You, you don't do this for fame and glory. You do this because you love the Father. You love Jesus. You love me, he says. That's why you do this. When people come up and ask him there, go over to Luke chapter nine. When people come up and ask him to follow him, he gives them more of a more reasons actually not to follow him than, than to follow him. I'm, I'm sure, we've been over this part before, I'm sure. But let's go over it just quickly again. 57 through62. Jesus is asked by this guy. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, great, pack your bags, come on. It's a great ride. i got people in every town. we got a, we got a show sold out next week. Uh, he doesn't say great. He, he doesn't say, oh, that sounds great. I'm, I'm glad you're coming. He says, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. That's a great message when someone says, I really want to do what you do. There's no money in it, kid. Oh, yeah, sure, I'll do that then. Verse 59, and he said to another, follow me. This time he turns the question around and he, he reaches out to somebody else, follow me. But he said, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. And another also said, I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. Jesus said to him, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Boy, I like the way Jesus does that. He he gets one question and he says, I don't know how many, where to lay my head. Do you really want to come with me? And then he turns around and asks the next guy, hey, come with me. He's got a really good recruitment system going on there, right? What he's really doing is he's giving them a dose of reality here. You guys are not in the right mind frame to begin with here. And I think he's teaching these people here and his disciples along the way that if you're following me, that you're not following me for for money, for fame, for any of this. You're following me because you believe I am who I say I am. You believe God the Father. You believe in what you're doing. Not for money, not for fame, not for fortune. Jesus wants to know and wants them to know what they're really getting into. And he taught his disciples the same thing. This is what you're really getting into. And I think in turn, the disciples also teach us through their writings, through the recording of the Gospels, this is what you're getting into. No promise of fame and fortune. So if we live as a sent one, the first thing I think the sent one knows is we know who we are. Do you know who you are as a sent one? Do you really know who you are? A good grasp on who I am. I am no longer Robert Hinton, master of my own domain, seeker of my own future, the one in charge of my life. Who's in charge of your life? Who? God. Jesus is in charge of your life, right? I'm not in charge anymore. I know who I am. Look at Isaiah 6, 8 again. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I. Send me. Ladies and gentlemen, you get up in the morning saying, here am I, send me. Not just before a mission trip, but before your trip to the store. (laughs) Before your trip to work. Here am I, send me. That would be a great prayer in the morning. Okay, God, what do you got in store for me today? Whatever it is, let me open my eyes so I can see what you're putting in my path. I'm ready to go. Here am I, send me. Let me go today in your will, in your, your fortune, all of this, to be a, a, a lamp to you and a light to other people's paths. Philippians chapter 3, 20 through 21. This is part of the reason we know that we're not of this earth. Here am I, send me. For our citizenship is in heaven. For which also we eagerly wait a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the ex- exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to himself. Living as a sent one is a lifestyle, isn't it? It's a lifestyle. It's just like 1 John chapters 1 through 5. A lifestyle that you're living. You, you no longer have a lifestyle of sin. You know, you now have a lifestyle of walking in the light as he is in the light. This is a whole change, a whole shift from who you were to who you are. Just like Paul says in Ephesians and Philippians. You're not who you used to be. You are now the property of Jesus Christ. You're a property of the Father, the Holy Spirit. You have Him dwelling in you. And you live a life as a sent one. Amen. Number two. Sent ones carry the message of the sender. That seems pretty simple, right? They, mess- they carry the message of the sender. But how many times do we get our messages mixed up? And instead of broadcasting the message of the sender... To people, to my family, to my wife, to my son, to anybody you come in contact with, you carry the message of me. Selfishness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 16 through 20. Well, that's kind of smaller, isn't it? I hope you can read that. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creature. we beg you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You see the, uh, the Apostle Paul here pleading that same message that Jesus pleaded. I'm here delivering the message that's going to save you, this word of reconciliation. Jesus came as the word of reconciliation. You are these clay pots, as Paul says earlier in 2 Corinthians 4-7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So that the surpassing greatness of the power of God... and will be shown and not of ourselves. Now, so my question to you about this number two here, if sent ones carry the message of the sender, how good of a clay pot have you been this week? Are you a crack pot? (laughs) We all got some cracks, right? Yeah, we all got some cracks. But what kind of message are you sending? What kind of a message are you broadcasting? If you are a sent one from Jesus... Then you know who you are. And if you know who you are, then the message that you're sending is one that puts Jesus first. Not me. Not anything else. And I know that could be tough to do. I've got my pet peeves. You probably got yours. I like to have my time alone. I like to have this or that. And when my world gets interrupted, I can really get irritated. What do I have to be as, as a message as a sent one, the message is Jesus, not me. Number three, sent ones are inviting. Now this one is, is interesting because I remember a, a guy that used to travel around and well, he probably still does doing um, talks and evangelism talks. And one of the things that he, one of the biggest things he said about trying to be evangelistic is if you do this you can be very evangelistic he said just be available just be available which sounds very simple but in in reality it's kind of hard sometimes to just be available when people need you when things rise up you got the time okay go do it just be available just be there be present in that in that moment be there and be ready to be available These sent ones are inviting, and it reminds me again of the class this morning here about being inviting. If you go over to Luke chapter 5 and chapter 7, where where Bill was this morning, in Luke chapter 5, he talked about the man being lowered, lowered down through the roof and being healed, right? In verse 20, he says, friend, your sins are forgiven you, and it. I've got a little note in my Bible and he went right over to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 verse 48 where the woman comes in, anoints Jesus' feet. And 7.48 748 it says, your sins have been forgiven. Being inviting, just being available. I think that was a lesson that Jesus taught his disciples. Being inviting, being available. Why did these people even come to Jesus? Because he... Yeah, he was invite- he, they knew that he would listen. They knew that he would help them. They knew that he was something great. Why else come to Jesus? Why else come to him specifically? Why did those men come? That faith that they had. Jesus sees their faith. They've got faith. He, but he, they also know that he is willing to eat with them. He's willing to be with them. He's willing to sit down and eat with people that nobody else would be willing to sit down and eat with. I like this picture here of, of Jesus eating with these people here. And so, so many times I, I get, I get those, those pictures of Jesus stoically sitting and eating with those you know, proper hand poses and all that. I, I can imagine Jesus sitting down, reclining down, and just laughing and having a great time with people. And talking to people like a real person because that's who he was. Being an inviting person that you can just sit and talk with. Being an inviting person that you know has your best interest at heart. That wants to help you. Wants to show you the truth. That's this Jesus Christ. In fact, back over in the book of John. If you go to John chapter 20. People wanted to see Jesus. People came to see Jesus. People walked for miles to see Jesus. Now, all the not all the time were their, were their intentions pure. But hey, not all the time... Is my intention pure? They were human beings just like we are. But they wanted to see Jesus. Oh, not John chapter 20. I'm sorry. John chapter 12, verse 20. (laughs) Get the 12s and 20s all mixed up. John chapter 12, verse 20. That's why it didn't look right there. John chapter 12, verse 20. He says, Now there, there were certain Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast. Verse 21. These therefore came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Just that, that, that tiny little, little verse there. We wish to see Jesus. I remember in Puyallup, when I preached there, we had this little plaque that says, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. We had it up on the pulpit, so we could remember that you know, when you're up there, who do you want people to see? I want people to see Jesus. I don't want them to see this pretty face. Because you can only look at this face for so long. Amen. <laughs> I set you up well there, Carl. I knew you would say amen to that. But anyway, it, it, no matter where we are, that plaque, this, this verse right here, this, this last part of this verse. Sir, we wish to see Jesus should be exuding from our lives in every way, way shape, or form. We should be inviting. Because what do they see in Carl? What do they see in Bill? What do they see in Kathy? What do they see in me? They see somebody who's not just out for their own entrance. They, they see somebody who looks different than, than normal. They see somebody who loves them. Somebody who appreciates them. Somebody who goes that extra mile for them. Somebody who will give them what they need. Somebody who will tell them what they need to hear, but will tell them in love. They'll see somebody who looks like Jesus. If they don't see that, ladies and gentlemen, then we're not the sent ones that John 17 is talking about. And we've missed something in Jesus' training if we don't look like him. If we're not willing to spend time with people, if we're not willing to go that extra mile, then we've got to re-examine who we are as sent ones. Because we know who we are, we carry the message of the sender, we're inviting, and then we live in faith. Sent ones live in faith faith. I use this last one here because I wanted to end on a cliffhanger here. (laughs) You know, a lot of the ends of these, these books, Philippians, Romans, they end with Paul. They end with the writer saying, greet, blah, blah, blah. Greet all these names that we have trouble pronouncing. Greet all these people give them a holy kiss, all of this stuff. They they, they end that way saying, blessings to you and, and peace be upon you. All these things saying, you know, it's kind of wrapping up the letter. But if you look at the end of Acts, you don't see a bless all these people, bless this guy, bless that guy. Paul's in jail and Luke is ending the letter saying the last two verses there of Acts. When he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God, teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. When I I read that ending, it's kind of like a cliffhanger here. Well, what happens? Maybe the story is still open. And I know the story is still open. At least our story. The message is still going out. This message in Acts of of the the early church starting and and moving out and, and flooding the earth and going everywhere, it's not over. It's not over until he says it's over. We're still going out. We're still preaching the message that Paul is preaching here. We're still preaching the message that Luke is preaching. We're still preaching all of these messages here. We're still the sent ones moving out. That's why we get up off that cliffhanger and we go out and we do what the disciples did. We preach what the disciples preach because they learn from Jesus Christ Himself. It's that cliffhanger that's not really a cliffhanger at all. If you're a sent one, then you're one that lives as a disciple being discipled by Jesus. You live as one who knows who they are. You live as one who carries the message of the sinner, one who is inviting and one who lives by faith. That's the sent ones. And when we get to the missional part, we'll see the sent ones more in action. As we need to take this message that we're learning from Jesus on how to be a disciple of Jesus, how he discipled, and we take it and we say, Acts 20, 30 and 31, well, let's start the next chapter. Well, let's start my chapter. This is my chapter. This is my story. But in my story, who do we always go back to? His story. Because my story is his story. There's no other story that saves. There's no other name that saves. No other person that saves. Jesus Christ saves. He is the sent one. He is the one that sins. And this week, if you are struggling with one of those four areas, maybe you're struggling with something else. But if you're struggling with one of these four areas of being sent ones, maybe you need to sit down and re-examine who you are as a sent one. Do you know why you're being sent Are you inviting? Are you a good message? Or are you this pot that doesn't look like Jesus? Be a clay pot that carries that right message. Be a clay pot that's inviting others around. Be a clay pot who knows why they're living for Jesus. I want you to do that this week. I want you to be a sent one that knows why they're sent. And show the world. Show your family. Show your friends. And this week, as you have opportunity for the Thanksgiving and all of these things coming up, maybe the the opportunities will even be more to show people this is why we're thankful. This is why we rejoice, because of Jesus Christ himself. Do that this week as we stand and as we sing.